The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Good morning. Great to have you all with us. Years ago, I was watching late night TV and one of our pop philosophers uh, on the late night talk show uh, circuit was sitting there and they were talking about God. And they said, ah, if God is real, why doesn't he just show up? And it was just arrogant. It was just like, because God's not going to show up on your terms. This is about you know, your first thought. But even though I would never ask that question so arrogantly, I think many of us often ask, who is God? What is he really? What's he really like? What does he think of me? You know, like all the different questions, like, where do I fall in the big scope of things? And who, who really is he? And it's an important question. It's a good question to ask. If we didn't ask those questions, we'd really be numb to a very important, the most important question in your life. Why are you here? And who is our God? The scriptures tell us many places who God is and his character. But it doesn't just tell us about who he is. It also demonstrates who he is through what he does. But it most clearly, at the pinnacle of time, when it was just right, God brought the fulfillment of all his hopes and dreams to earth in the form of Jesus Christ. And Jesus has become the most clear image of who God is. He is the face of God. In this series, Pastor Jonathan and um, Kevin have all talked about the face of Jesus. And some of the verses we've used are from Colossians. It says, the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus. Another one is where John says to Philip, he says, Philip, don't you know me? Even after I've been with you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? The fact of the matter is, God has come down and revealed who he is. Most clearly, although he's done it throughout history, he's done it most clearly through his son, Jesus Christ. And when we wonder about who God is, we need to look to Jesus. What is his character? What is his nature? What does he think? What does he feel are answered in Jesus Christ? So let's look at three ways that Jesus's, that Jesus's life shows us the Father's face up in heaven through his suffering and death here on earth. I want to look at, first of all, when he came to Lazarus's tomb. Secondly, we're going to look at Gethsemane, when he wept and said, oh, could this cup pass me by? And then third, we're going to look at when he was mounted up on that cross for all of us what words came from his mouth and the expression of his heart, because those words are expression of who God is. First of all, let's look at Lazarus' tomb. In John 11, 32 through 35, 
we have this scene where Jesus shows up at Lazarus' post-funeral, if you will. He's already been dead three days, and Jesus knew all this, and he knew what he was going to do. It's evident from the scriptures that Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead and let the glory of God be known to everybody so they could believe. First comes Martha, weeping and crying, I believe you're the resurrection of the life, da-da-da. Has to deal with that entourage. Then next comes Mary, Lazarus' second sister. And this is what she says. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. So here's Jesus, and this woman is weeping over her brother's death in front of her friend Jesus, and she's weeping. He's come. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Had you come on time, he could have been saved. She's weeping at his feet. You don't know the level of commotion because it doesn't describe it, but she's at his feet. Highly emotional moment. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? He asked, come and see my Lord, they replied. And then it says, as you all know, the shortest verse in scripture, Jesus wept. It's stunning. The God of heaven and earth, who knows all things, he knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knows in just a couple minutes, all the mourning and sadness is going to turn to joy and, and amazement. And people around him are going to have the opportunity to believe in God. His purpose is being fulfilled. He knows he's on the brink of something great for the sake of the name of his father. And yet, in what surrounds him for the moment, he begins to weep. This shows us not just the humanity of Jesus, but the compassion of his Father. When you see Jesus weeping, this is the Father. It says in the Old Testament that God stores our tears as in a bottle. He knows and he remembers our pain and suffering. He says, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. This is who God is. But he doesn't just say who he is. And he didn't just demonstrate it in Jesus' tears. It's built up here so that when we see this, we can believe that Jesus truly is the face of God. It's built up here. And I love this bit in Chronicles. There's a time where God is sending judgment to Israel. And listen to this thing, 1 Chronicles 21, 15. And God sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem. But as the angel was doing so, and this angel was sent by God, this, this destroying angel was sent by God, the Lord saw it. He's watching and relented concerning the disaster and said to the angel who was destroying the people, enough, withdraw your hand. So God who knows everything up in heaven, he's planned everything out. He lets us a glimpse into this, and he says he's watching us. No more, no more. Compassion, our God is compassionate. He is compassionate. He's not just stoic and removed. He weeps with you. He cares about you. He wants to hear your needs because he cares for you. When you read about Jesus weeping, that's the face of God. 
His compassion is for you. Let's look in the Garden of Gethsemane. We have, in fact, before we get to Gethsemane, let me uh, lead into this by going to Exodus. In Exodus, Moses is up on the mountain and there's this climactic moment. And when you get to a place where you're immersing yourself in God's word and the history of what God says really begins to just take over your heart, like you begin to see things God's way because he's laid it out and your heart's immersed in it. You see that in Exodus 34, there's a climactic moment in all human history. It, it's marked that God comes down to Moses and he reveals a portion of who he is. He says, this is who I am. Because the people had no idea. They were immersed in all kinds of other cultures and ideas about who God was. And God comes and he breaks the confusion. And he says, here Moses, this is who I am. Exodus 34, verse 5 through 7. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord, the Lord. He literally said, Jehovah, Jehovah, God. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, actually this is the point where he says, Jehovah, Jehovah, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, the very first words that God says of himself, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Now in the scripture, it mentions compassionate, gracious, but the next term in there that he uses as he begins to reveal who he is to a people who've just come out of Egypt, he says, I'm slow to anger. Interestingly, this word comes from the, from the word that refers to nostril. Odd, but it has to do with the breathing of the nostril. When somebody's really mad, they breathe in like this. It's even the same word that's used in Genesis where God breathed life into the nostril of Adam. It's the same word. But this is now as slow in front of it, slow to anger. And it speaks of forbearing. Some translations use the term forbearing, um, of putting up with, of dealing with, of, of just bearing with. And other translations use the term, like King James uses, long-suffering. He's willing to suffer for a long time. He's not quick to anger. He's willing to endure for others. This is not just a word. This is the character of our God. And it is demonstrated in the life of Jesus. It is a picture of the Father when we see Jesus being long-suffering. And we see it clearly in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew 26, verse 42, this is the second time Jesus says this to the Father. Jesus went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, Unless I drink it, may your will be done. Here's Jesus, willing to deal with our junk, with our crimes against him, our rebellion against him, and long suffer through it. 
He's suffering on our behalf. He's willing, willingly going through for our well-being. He's choosing it. And this is a God in heaven who could avoid all such tragedy, all such difficulties, all such grieving. But he's willing on our behalf to suffer. He's long-suffering. He's forbearing. He's slow to anger. This is what he's saying of who he is in Christ. I'm willing to go through for you. I'm not just going to say it lightly. I'm going to do this because I love the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. This is the face of God. Down here underneath this cloud, we don't always see God. But when we look at Jesus, we can say by faith, that is who my God is. My God does care. My God is compassionate. My God is long-suffering. I've messed up for years. I've messed up in many ways. Yet, he's not given up on me. And he's willing to go through hardship on my behalf. That is the face of your God that you can grab hold to by faith on the solidness of knowing that Jesus painted this picture of his Father's face. Last of all, let's look at the cross. At the cross, we can also see the face of God. In this painful moment where Jesus has been nailed up to the cross, he's actually just been brought through the city, dragging the cross, some women came to him and he even says to the women, he says, don't cry for me, cry for yourselves and cry for, for um, all the things that are going to happen. Because if, if this is happening now, just think what happens when the tree is dry, is what he says. And so his heart is already for everybody else. Don't pray for me, don't cry for me, but for everybody else. His eyes are completely in a different place. It's amazing. But then when he gets on the cross, he reiterates his position, his heart, his view. Jesus said in Luke 23, 24, this is him bleeding, tortured, cross on the head, nails through his hands, nails through his feet, looking down on people who are scorning him, dividing his clothes. Some spit on him, some mistreated him. People saying, if he was a Christ, let him take himself down. And Jesus, amidst all the noise and confusion, demonstrates the face of the Father. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That's amazing. That's not human. But... It is your God. This establishes for us his astonishing forgiveness, his willingness to forgive. And what's amazing here, you've got to think about this, is nobody has repented. Nobody has said sorry for my sins yet. He is issuing the forgiveness of sin before somebody even says, please forgive if a friend mistreats you, betrays you, does something wicked to you, your first response, I dare say, is not, I forgive you. 
No, you want that person to come back and realize their wrongs and say it. But this is an astonishing level of forgiveness. They don't know what they do. Forgive them, Father. This is also demonstrated in the Old Testament. He gave us a glimmer of the Father's heart even back then. And this is a lengthy section, but it really portrays the heart of God. It portrays his face. It portrays who your God is in heaven. So please bear with me as I read Jeremiah 32, verses 33 through 41. And this is God talking. He's looked on earth and he sees what's going on. And he's grieved, deeply grieved. He's been grieved for years and he suffered with it. He says in Jeremiah 32, 33, they turned their backs on me. This is Israel and not their faces. Though I taught them again and again, they would not listen or respond to my discipline. They set up their vile images in the house that bears my name and defiled it. They built high places for Baal in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to sacrifice their sons and their daughters to the god Moloch. Though I never commanded such a thing, nor did it enter my mind that they should do such a detestable thing as to, as to make Judah sin. You are saying about this city, and so he's talking to Jeremiah the prophet here. This is God saying to him, you are saying about the city, by sword, famine, and plague, it will be given into the hands of the king of Babylon. And Jer they're not just Jeremiah's words, they're literally the words Jeremiah was told to speak by the same God. So God is saying to Jeremiah, you say, by sword, famine, and plague, it will be given into the hands of the king of Babylon. But this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel. I will surely gather them from all the lands where I banished them in my furious anger and great wrath. I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. They will be my people and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and that all will then go well for them and for their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them and I will never stop doing good to them. And I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. And I will rejoice in doing them good and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. God in heaven, proclaim judgment, severe judgment against Israel. And before they were even banished, before they were sent away, and this is throughout the scriptures, he's already speaking words of forgiveness. Nobody's repented. Nobody's turned their face to him in any significant way. And he says, I will bring them back here. I will rejoice to do them good. Do you believe that the Lord, the Lord God Almighty, who reigns in heaven, rejoices to do you good? That's one to take home and meditate on. That he rejoices even before we repent. He wants to do us good. The New Testament said God's kindness 
leads us to repentance. His kindness is already there for you before you repent. He wants you. He loves you. And he rejoices to do you good. Really, he's speaking on multiple levels. He's saying, I love you. I care for you. And then he raises the bar. And I rejoice to do you good. That's amazing. That is an astonishing level of forgiveness. We see all these in the face of Jesus. This is who our God is. The face of Jesus is none other than the face of God. These truths are made clear to us in the scriptures and in the life of Jesus. In closing, I want to tell you that I knew a missionary to India and she went through some very difficult years from other missionaries, sadly. She was betrayed, she was mistreated, and she was a widow who'd given up everything after the death of her husband. She sold her home, got rid of things, so that she could go out on the mission field and make the best use of her final years. Beautiful heart, sweet woman. And in this betrayal, she said, oh, I accept this, because in this, I can relate to Jesus better. I can see him better and clearer, and I understand him more. And if I participate in the suffering and even the, the betrayal of Jesus, as I look to him, I receive comfort. And that carried her on in spite of the work, and she continued for years to help orphaned girls in the state of Orissa in India. And uh, just a champion of faith, because she put her eyes on Jesus, the one who was betrayed and suffered, and she found strength that she was not alone in her own suffering. She knew Jesus understood her. You can trust that God in heaven is compassionate. He is long-suffering, and he is an astonishing level of forgiveness for you. God bless you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.